All right. We are going into Galatians. Oh, I've got my water. Galatians, the fourth chapter, verses 16 through 19. Amen. The word of God reads, I, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected, always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. And in verse 19, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I want to speak to you today from the sermon title, uh, A Pastor's Heart. A Pastor's Heart. Here, Paul begins by asking a question. Are you deserting the faith that you were taught and making me an enemy because I'm bringing this issue to your attention? Verse 16 says, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? Are you rejecting me, Paul is saying, because I'm exposing your error? The error was that some Jews came into Galatia preaching that in order to be saved, you needed to observe all the ceremonial mosaic laws, keeping laws like the Sabbath and the dietary restrictions and the Jewish holidays, the Israelite holidays and the festivals and and then, of course, being circumcised, which was a mark of belonging to God, um, being set apart for God. These things were in the old covenant or old contract between God and his chosen people, the Jews. But this teaching caused confusion. But more than that, it was a subtle way that the devil used to distract people from the importance of placing all your faith in Jesus Christ and on him alone. The Judaizers taught that what you needed to do was to be, to be saved was to be, uh, and to be holy. What you needed to do to be saved and holy was to take the law and attach it to your faith in Jesus so that by this hybrid combination, you would be saved and continue to live holy. Now, one of the things I want to alert you to is what Satan likes to do is he likes to get people to look for something that they already have. You go all around the mulberry bush or go in circles looking for something that you never needed or something that you think is missing that you already have. Case in point, when he uh, told Eve, you know, you'll be like God if you eat of the fruit. <laughs> Satan's still using the same old trick in new ways on new people. Amen? Paul's rebuke to the churches in Galatia that he had taught was simple. All you need is Jesus. 
And Jesus is the only one that can keep you. Amen? To be saved, you need Jesus. <laughs> you need to trust in Jesus. You need the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. To live holy, you need to depend on Jesus and the spirit that he places in you called the Holy Spirit. Amen? Searching for these other external things and rules and regulations and restrictions that would seem to make you holy or keep you holy or be able to present you as you know, righteous before God is foolishness. It's error. It's heresy. Furthermore, it's demonic. Amen? And you know this. We've been going through this. Uh, the legalistic Judaizers here in these verses, they came to Galatia to get the believers not only to stop listening to the truth that Paul was teaching them and, 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 and staying in the truth that they were saved by, but they were also coming there to do something rather interesting. They were coming there to extract from Paul or to pull the believers away from Paul so that they would follow them instead of Paul. They were not true apostles or true shepherds of Christ. They're what we would call wolves in sheep's clothing. So, to our text. All right. Galatians 4, 17. Galatians 4, 17. Paul says they zealously, the Judaizers, the Jewish sect, that claim to be coming from James in, into the churches of Galatia. They zealously affect you. That word affect means to flatter or more accurately pursue you. They come to pursue you. They zealously pursue you. But he says, but not well. In other words, they pursue you not for good or pure reasons. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yea, they would exclude you. They would isolate you that ye might affect, or this word means to pursue them. They zealously go after you, pursue you, and they want to isolate you so that you will pursue, listen to, depend on, and support them. Amen? They're thieves. Not teachers of the word, not people with a pastoral heart that's been formed by God. They're in it for themselves. They are in it for gain. They want followers. They want support. They want you to cook them chicken dinners. They, <laughs> it's about how many people they can amass to themselves. And then they come with all these extra rules these things that are found in the old covenant that no longer applies, not the moral law, but the ceremonial law, that no longer applies to the Gentile. It never did. It was never connected to the Gentile. That was something for the Israelites at that time, but that covenant came to an end. We'll see that next Sunday. But here he's saying they dress up their holiness in front of you. Hmm. Romans 10 and 3. Romans 10 and 3. Here's a little picture of what they're doing here. This is what Paul is saying about them. For they are ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their, keyword, own righteousness, have not submitted themselves 
to the righteousness of God. Hmm. What do they mean by that? They have their own way of making themselves right. <laughs> and by doing that, they are not submitting to the way that God has provided for them to be right. The, the same, same verse, different translation, New Living Translation puts it this way. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself, refusing to accept God's way, you know, which is what? Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that Jesus died for your sins, by applying that gospel to your life, you're made right with God by believing in that truth and, and receiving and trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation. For salvation, you're made right. But what do they do? Instead of doing that, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to what? Keep the law. Hmm. What they're doing by teaching this way is that they're teaching the law of God in a way that says that you must keep the law perfectly to be saved. And by doing that, they are by default rejecting the salvation provided by the only one who did keep the law perfectly that saves you. Are you seeing that? They're canceling out the grace of God by stepping in the way and saying that they can do what Jesus Christ did for themselves. Now listen to what Jesus says about them. Matthew 23, 15. You know, Paul is saying they're, they're zealously affecting you. They're zealously pursuing you to make you a proselyte. That's to convert you over to their religion. To bring you from one way of thinking into another way of thinking. Or one opinion or one religion into another religion. Jesus said this. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you can pass sea and land to make one proselyte. Huh? And when he is made, you make him twofold. More the child of hell than yourselves. You make him twice the son of the devil than who you are. Wow. They would make great efforts or go through a great extent to, you know, to, to, to convert people to their religion. Uh, but because they were in error and they did not understand the law, they did not understand the purpose of the law, being a schoolmaster that brings you to grace and putting your faith in Jesus Christ because you realize you can't do it, they were shutting the door of heaven in people's faces. Mm. If you don't receive Jesus, then you don't receive payment for your sins. And if you don't have payment for your sins, you're going to have to pay for your sins yourself. Are you seeing that? So by getting the people to depend on their own ability to please God, <laughs> they were basically, in fact, saying, you know, without knowing it, you're going to have to pay for your sins yourself. Hmm? And now that's the salvation side. But this is how they turn into twice the son of hell. On the sanctification side, the holiness side, the living holy side, when you realize you can't keep the law perfectly... You only have one option left, and that is to become a performing hypocrite. Ah. You end up with some external holy performance in front of other people without coming to a place of internal appreciation for what Christ Jesus has done, and that's because you never ended up leaning on Jesus. You are too busy leaning on yourself. <laughs> are you, you wear yourself out trying to keep yourself. Amen? 
This leads to frustration when you realize that your attempts are not leading to more uh, holy living or successful holy living. You, you, you know, you've seen them. They, they're, they're uptight. They're mean. <laughs> you see them in church. There's no joy. They're constantly pointing the finger at somebody else's sins while they are secretly failing and falling for sin in their own private life. Too proud to ask for prayer. They're legalistic and they're wearing themselves out. And then what they want to do is they want to make you a proselyte. They want to teach you how to do what they do. And then both of you end up miserable, defeated by secret sins, and mad at God. You've seen them. Holy people. Mean people. Those two things don't go together. <laughs> Where's the joy? Where's the love for Christ? It's all about the do's and don'ts. You ain't doing this and you ain't doing that. You ought to get it together. They point the finger at you and by themselves when, they, when they're alone, they're failing. They're falling for sin secretly. They don't tell nobody about it. They don't ask for prayer because they don't want anybody to know. You've seen it. Some of us have been that way. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verse 13 through 15. Paul says, these people, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Notice that statement, transforming themselves. Yes, they are deceptive. That's deception, yes. But also, the power source is wrong. Why? Because you're not being transformed into an apostle. You're transforming yourself into one. Are you seeing that? And then Christ says this, verse 14, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. What is he saying there? He's saying Satan tricks people into thinking that he's holy. And he, 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 he doesn't go around doing evil things in front of people that are obvious. No, he kind of shows a little bit of light, shows a little bit of light. He says the people that are his ministers, the people that work for him, they transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. They masquerade, they perform, they are hypocrites. It's all about performance. Amen? The Pharisees and their converts were children of hell primarily because they rejected God's provision for their salvation by attempting to justify themselves through their own righteous deeds. And our righteousness is as filthy rags, people. It's not going to happen. So Paul is saying here that they zealously affect you. They go after you. Huh? So that you would follow them. The legalistic teachers of religion affect you, zealously pursue you so that you will pursue them. The sad thing is that these religious legalistic people, these false leaders, don't realize that they're under the control of demons. That's scary. That's scary. That's sad. Back to Galatians 4, 18. Next verse. Paul says, but it is good to be zealously affected or pursued, always in a good thing, 
You know, he said, if it's for a good reason, if it's for pure purposes, it's for godly purposes, it's good to be zealously affected. Paul went after his people. He was zealously pursuing them for good reasons, not for selfish purposes. It's good to be zealous always in a good thing, and not only when I'm present with you. Uh, New Living Translation puts it this way. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right, but let them do it all the time. <laughs> not just when I'm here with you, not just when Paul is around in my face, not just to put on a show. They should be faithful to you, not just for, you know, when people notice or to prove a point, but their faithfulness should to serve you should be evidence, not only when people are noticing, but when people are not noticing. Are you seeing it? Is it not just when I'm with you, not just in front of a crowd or just to prove a point to oppose Paul's teaching? Huh? Pastors who have the right heart are praying for people when no one's looking. Uh, pastors serve when no one notices that they're serving. Come on. Uh, the right kind of pastor, they don't just show up to fight and protect their own interests. No, 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 no. no. Or show off their holiness to pull people away from somebody else just so they, you can follow them. No, no, no. That's not what they were doing. That's not what Paul was doing here. Paul is saying that that's a wrong motive. There's a wrong motive for people who are doing stuff like that, okay? That's what they were doing with Paul here. They would show up just to argue. <laughs> Where you been all week when I needed you to pray for my daughter? Where were you when I was sick? I, you didn't come to me in the hospital, but it's interesting that you come up, you know, to show up to, with all your holy, you know, stuff that you do and all, you know, all your restrictions and you guys need to do this and you guys need to do that. Well, that's nice and all that. Then you can do all that. But right now I need you to pray for me. I need you to be here for me. When, when were you there last week when I needed you? Are, are you seeing what's happening? Paul's saying, don't do it just when I'm present with you. That exposes their motive. Now, before we go into this last verse, which is the main section here, it's going to take a little time for me to extract and pull out what's here in this verse. Let's go back to verse 16 again. So we can set up what's happening here. Paul said before, Galatians 4.16, In this section here, it's hard to exegete only because these are Paul's emotions. He's being vulnerable. He's expressing his heart in this matter. He's been with these people. He brought these people up. He brought these people into salvation. He preached to them. He was, as I said last week, he was sick and on his, on his, on his, on his sick bed. And he was, he was weak, but he, he still preached the word of God to them and, and, and the strength of God. And he, he gave his all. And, and here come these Judaizers and they're turning on him. And Paul is saying, this is where the, the letter gets personal in Galatians. He's, he's not talking a lot of doctrine in theology, he's letting the people know that his feelings have been hurt as a leader. He's saying, wait a minute, what is all this? I, I don't understand. How did you get bewitched here? You know, what, what, do you understand these people are not here for your best interest? It's about what they can get from you. They're robbers. They're thieves. They're false teachers, false apostles. So verse 16 says, I, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And then jump back to 19. He says, my little children, whom I travail in birth, labor pains again until Christ be formed in you. Here is the heart of a pastor. I'm going to tell you the truth whether you like it or not. 
if there's error, I have to let you know. I'm the watchman on the wall. He's saying, I'm telling you what the real deal is here. They won't tell you what the real deal is. They won't tell you the truth. They don't have the right motive. But he says, I'm in such pain. I'm in labor pain. My little children, my, 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 my little flock, my, 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 my babies. That's, this is a heartfelt emotion here. He's coming out and just saying, listen, I'm putting it all on the table. He says, my children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. When a mother is about to give birth, she goes through labor pains. Amen. She does all she can to make sure the baby is delivered into the world safely. She's pushing, she's pulling, she's grabbing, she's doing whatever she can. It's it's extremely painful. I don't know, but I've seen it. Six of them. Amen. But when a baby is born, there is pain. Paul is describing here his pain, but here's the thing. The mother's pain doesn't stop there. (laughs) The baby is here, but her work is just beginning. Amen? The work isn't done just because the baby is born. No, now she's got to go through a different kind of pain. It's an internal pain. Amen? Making sure the baby is healthy. Maybe she, making sure the baby is a healthy adult. Making sure the, the child will grow and make good decisions and not live crazy. That's, she's travailing. She, you, you see what I'm saying? But here's the thing. Paul is making an analogy here and saying, but men who are pastors and shepherds and leaders of flocks, guess what? They're in pain too. Hmm. Let's give, I'll give you an example. Let's look at Moses. Go to the Old Testament. Numbers 11, verse 11 and 12. Numbers 11, verse 11 and 12. Moses says this. He's talking to the Lord. He says, And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight? Translation, he's saying, God, why did you do this to me? What did I do to to fall out with you? Why have you you afflicted me with this pain? He says, "What, what is the pain? He says, that thou layest the burden of all these people upon me. He says, have I conceived all these people? These ain't my kids. (laughs) Have I brought them? Have I begotten them, rather? That that thou shouldest say unto me, carry them in thy bosom as a nursing, notice this, father, (laughs) beareth the sucking child unto the land which thou sweared unto their fathers. Moses dealt with internal pain. Bringing the people out of something, Egypt, and bringing them into something, Canaan. That's what he was doing. Pulling them out of bondage and bringing them into freedom. Now, you would think that people who would be in, in, in a place where they're obtaining freedom would make it easy on Moses. But no. <laughs> no, they wore him completely out. Moses was in travail. He was in labor pains. He was, he was trying to get the folks to get into freedom and, and the folks were kicking back. 
Same thing with Paul here. Huh? Give another example. Colossians 4 and 12. I think it's Epaphras or Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluted you. What is he doing? Always laboring fervently for you in prayers that ye may stand perfect. That word means mature and complete in all the will of God. They labor, leaders labor in pain. Back to Galatians 4, 19, that last part of the verse. What's the laboring for? Not just that you would be born, <laughs> but watch this. Labor and travailing and pain, travailing and, and labor until Christ be formed in you. You see that? Whoa. The motive of Paul versus the Judaizers was not the same. They added the law to make themselves look good to people so that they would follow them and support them and pay for them and, and financially help them. Paul preached leaning on the Holy Spirit through faith in Christ, so that they would follow Christ. So they would follow Jesus. See the difference? I hope you're catching it. It's subtle. It's subtle, but it's there. This is the heart of a true shepherd, a true pastor, a true man of God. This is what pastors should be concerned about today. This is our biggest assignment. Christ being formed in those that hear us. Not just salvation. Not just the guarantee of glorification in heaven. But sanctification, living holy. The saved people who are going to heaven are still here. <laughs> it's not Star Trek where you get saved and they just beam you up into heaven. That's not how this happens. The same people are still here. And while they are here, they need to be actively, gradually, increasingly becoming like Christ. This is the pastor's main concern. This is the pastor's prayer. This is where the pastor's work in the church really exists. This is, where it's, this is what it's about. Are you hearing me? So it doesn't matter how well you preach Oh, boy. It doesn't matter how full your church is. It doesn't matter if your offering is big. It doesn't matter how many programs you launched last year or whether or not the mayor and the governor know your name or know your church's name so you can partner with them to institute and run some social programs. If the people you are preaching to are not becoming more like Christ, then we've missed the point and your motive needs to be reexamined. until Christ is formed in you. To do all the other things and to miss the main things, that's error. Are you understanding me? Are you hearing me? Paul says, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Are pastors even doing that today? Are pastors telling people the truth? If you tell them the truth, you might clear out the church. Oh... Are we caving into the system? 
Are we not letting people know who God really is? Are we not allow, allowing people to hear the truth so that Christ will be formed in them? I had a chance to watch a video not too long ago, and the people were describing, you know, in their own words, the attributes of God. And they said a lot of stuff that is true about God. God is loving. God is understanding. God is merciful. God is patient. He's forgiving and so on and so on and so on. And the most shocking thing about that video, it went on for about an hour and some change maybe, uh, but the most shocking thing about that is that the people that described all those things skipped over the main attribute of God. <laughs> Nobody said, oh, by the way, God is holy. Hmm. No one on the panel, out of all the revelations that they have received from God, no one mentioned what God has already revealed in his written word that we can see whether or not we feel we heard something from God or not. The bottom line is, is this. We can read it for ourselves. Be ye holy, for I am holy. God is holy, and he commands that his children be holy. What is that looking like? Christ being formed in you. I'm going to say something to you that some people may not like him and understand because some people don't like it when I go here. But, I, you know, I, I say this because I can stand on his shoulders, not trying to make somebody look bad, but to make sure that people understand that this thing, we grow in knowledge and we can stand on the shoulders of those who've come before us. My dad warned me about what happens when a pastor loses focus. He told me that the potential for a pastor to get off track is great. And that may be news to some people, but it's true. Take that in and let that truth settle for a minute. Marinate on that for a minute. It's, it's very easy for a pastor to get off track. He said, church can become about a great many things and not about Christ. People becoming like Christ. That's what it's all about, Jamie. He said, he cautioned me not to repeat some of his examples. He thought that it was okay back in the day to relax his hand on some things in hopes that it would change some of his members. But instead, he told me that his members ended up changing him. And he spent several of his last years trying to get things back on track, knowing all the while he was running out of time. What I'm trying to explain to you people is the main thing is the main thing and the main thing is that we become like Christ and Christ is holy. Yes, he is. I know this is not what we like to hear nowadays in 2021 while everybody's trying to, you know, sing Kumbaya and, and waiting for everybody to come down and on restrictions of the coronavirus and we can all be like the Wiz and sing, can you fill a brand new day like Diana Ross and Michael Jackson where we can all have mimosas in our backyard without masks on, but that's not the main important thing. The main important thing is that we become like Christ and if we're not preaching Christ and we're not allowing people to be formed by Christ by the truth, then we've missed the whole point. We missed the whole point. The devil would love for us to get caught up in temporary blessings and not realize that the main thing he's after is that you end up in hell keeping him company instead of with Jesus. That's what it is. Huh? Oh, I need to be healed. I need to be delivered. I need to have this happen. I need to have. Do you know Christ? Does Christ know you? Is Christ being formed in you? That's the point, people. That's it. The purpose of a shepherd in the church is not to grow the church so big that we can afford to put Starbucks in the lobby. That's not it. 
or to promote gospel songs or, or to, so the pastor can get a book deal and have the, the greatest bestseller and then have even more people come to church. No, having these things on the side is fine, but the main agenda, the main motive of every pastor ought to be is Christ being formed in the people that are hearing me. Help me, Jesus. I know this is not popular. Here's the balance. Christ, let me back up. Legalism is dangerous, but so is lascivious or licentious living, rebellious living. Neither one of them are right. Why? Christ cannot be formed in you if you are too busy legalistically forming yourself. (laughs) Nor can Christ be formed in you if you are giving yourself permission to do the very sinful things that Jesus hates. No, that's two extremes, and they're both wrong. Jesus did not die for your sins so that he could live in you while you subject him to watching you never turn away from the very things he saved you from in the first place. Holiness is the goal and the purpose for the believer at this time. You get saved, and if you don't leave the planet, then guess what? Holiness is the goal. Christ being formed in you is the goal. Being like Jesus is the goal. But trying harder to reach that goal does not guarantee more success. That's legalism. What's needed, saints, is a love of Jesus Christ that is so deep and so profound that, that is, and that is done by no one but the Holy Spirit. He is the one that does it. It's done by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the source for putting that love in your heart. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. That's what the goal is. That's what he does. Amen. That is something that is involuntary. We're asking the Holy Spirit, put the love of God, the love of Jesus Christ in my heart. That's what it is, people. He puts the love there. The Holy Spirit puts the discipline there. The Holy Spirit puts the prayer life there. The Holy Spirit puts the Bible reading there. The Holy Spirit puts the conduct there and the lifestyle there. And this is all done as we lean on him, trusting him to help us as we also actively press. That's not a hybrid thing. What I'm saying here is sometimes I may not feel like it. My flesh may not want to do it, but that's okay because that's where it doesn't come from me anyway. I have to realize the power is not coming from me. I'm going to put my feet in the water, and I'm going to trust that the waters are going to part, and not because of my own effort, but because of God's faithfulness. And as I've placed my feet in the water, I believe that God is going to come through, and he's going to cause me to live like he wants me to live. I'll walk on dry ground. That's what it is. You've got to come to a place of faith. Faith in not yourself, but faith in Jesus Christ. doesn't mean you do nothing. That means you actively trust in Jesus Christ. You actively trust in him. It's not your works that save you. It's what he does. It's not your keeping, your legalistic law or restrictions that, that keep you holy. It's what he does. But I participate with him. I trust him. I lean on the Holy Spirit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk. I'm going to hold your hand as you take me where you want me to go, God. That's what it is. So listen, 
Pastor, I enjoyed your sermon last week or this week. Thank you so much, baby. That's great. But the real pastor just wants to know one thing. You living holy? (laughs) Are you responding like Jesus? Are you resisting the current and the pool of this world? Are you repenting and turning from sin? Are you becoming more and more like Jesus? Is Jesus being formed in you? How does that happen? You got to keep looking at him. Ah, he came from heaven. He hung out with the disciples. He showed them what God is like. We have this New Testament covenant. The Holy Spirit brought the words back to their remembrance and they wrote it down so we could know what Jesus is like. Keep looking at him. Don't look to yourself. That's not it. Everybody will teach you that it's all other religions are about you looking to you to make you better. But Christ, the gospel, Christianity, believers, we look to the only one who did it right and we place our faith in him. Amen? Second Corinthians eleven twenty eight. I'm almost done. Whew. Second Corinthians eleven twenty eight and twenty nine. Paul before this mentions that he's been through all kinds of things. He's been stoned, beaten, shipwrecked, <laughs> beaten with rods, persecuted, persecution on top of persecution. He's just been through it for the sake of Christ. And then he says here in verse 20, says, verse 28, he says, then besides all this, on top of all that, I have the daily burden. There it is. That does that labor praying of my concern for all the churches. And then he says this, he says, who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Wow. He's connected. He's concerned. He said, who was led astray? And I do not burn with anger. He's not pleased when someone falls. He's, huh? When someone gets out there and does stuff that they're not supposed to do and slips into sin. He's not, he's like, I, do, I, I burn with anger when that happens. I, this, is, this, is his, this is his battle. This is his internal pain that he carries. Huh? Verse, uh, Romans 8.28 sums it up pretty good. Romans 8, 28. We all know it. And we know that all things work together for the good of them that, uh-oh, love God. <laughs> Not just do for God. Uh-oh, did you catch that? That actually love God. All them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose. And we know that and we love that. Now, the next verse kind of gives a little bit of clarity of what God is really looking for here. Verse 29 says this, for whom he did foreknow, talking about the believers, he did predestinate. That means a predetermined destination. What is that predetermined destination? What has God already decided for us? Huh? Before we were even born? He did predestinate to be conformed into the image of of his son. There 
it is. Christ formed in you. Are you seeing that? That he might be the firstborn of many brethren. Christ would be the first example of all of us. That we would be like Christ. Here it is in a nutshell, people. When God blew breath in your body, (laughs) he did it so that you would become like Jesus. Oh. It's never really been about anything else. That's it. You're here, still here, to be like Jesus. All these other things, icing. The cake, the image of God, the image of his son, Jesus Christ, being formed in you. There's a sweet spot between the two extremes of legalism and lasciviousness or rebellious living. And that is walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit, how do I do that? Do I just feel that? What, do I, how do, what is the practical application of walking in the spirit? Let me tell you what I believe. When you are constantly reminding yourself of the love of God displayed in the sacrifice of his son to save you, when you realize just how much God loved you, to redeem you from your sin, then you will not so easily be able to just fulfill the desires of your flesh. It will not be easy when you're focusing on Jesus Christ, when you're walking in the spirit, reminding yourself of the love of God that he has for you. He gave his very best for you to redeem you from all iniquity and to purify for himself a peculiar people. There it is again, zealous of good works. And we just read it this morning, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Here's the connection. For by grace are ye saved and that not of yourself. There goes the legalistic side. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not about legalism. It's not about you doing doing anything to impress God. Here comes the part where we attack the lascivious living. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What are you talking about? How do you do that? Christ must be formed in you. We need pastors and teachers and leaders who are not just trying to make themselves a celebrity, who are not just trying to make themselves have, you know, have a bunch of followers and boost their ego. That's not what it's about. Here's the point. Is the teaching causing you to be like Christ? Are you loving like Christ? Are you forgiving like Christ? Are you turning from sin like Christ? Are you trusting uh-huh, in God? Are you, are you walking with faith? Are you believing in faith? Are you resisting the pull in the current of this world? Are you swimming upstream or going with the current like everybody else? Are you, is there something different about you? Is Christ being formed in you? Do you respond differently because the Christ in you just will not go along with the party? No matter how much it costs you, if that's not what's happening, then we've missed the point. And the heart of the pastor needs to be re-examined. And I pray that you are listening to pastors that care about your soul. 
and not just their pockets or their ego. Christ be for you.